remain standing for the reading of God's word. Amen. Those who are physically able, we will stand for the reading of God's word. Scripture for today comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Reads as such. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you to me is indeed not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers or evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I will circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin the Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is the law which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me those things I counted loss for Christ Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that of which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, it is the word of God. You may be seated even in the presence of the living God. I want to highlight that eighth verse, the B clause. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb. I want to preach the final part of this series of counting dumb. Counting dumb. These were just a few moments and then I'll be done. I won't be long today, I promise you. I'll be here on Sunday after Sunday. But I won't be. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Amen. Amen. I'm getting thumbs up and everything. Amen. I'm getting better. I'm counting dumb. Finally, counting, counting dumb. As we have looked at the text, we wrestled with it wrestled with it for some time and we have even sat with Paul as he is imprisoned in his circumstances. He's living in a literal prison in a dungeon and he writes talking about rejoice. We have recognized uh, along with Paul our own imprisonments and have pondered how 
in the world or how in the heck can Paul be rejoicing when he is in a dungeon? He's in a dungeon with no modern accommodations. Nothing in his imprisonment has any concern for humane treatment. Paul is in a bad situation and the only thing that is coming out of his lips are all about rejoicing. What is coming out of his lips is worshiping and praising God that he has discovered will get in his imprisoned situation with him. Have you ever discovered and noticed that anytime you're imprisoned by anything that you call on the Lord, if he doesn't get you out of the dungeon, that he will get in your prison with you? Yeah. I'm reminded of the story that is told about a young baby in the, in the, in the crib. He's in the crib. I've told it before. He's in the crib just well. The father had compassion on the baby. He reaches down to pick up the baby. The mother said, no, you're not always with him with him. And every time he cries, he's going to want to be pulled out of the crib. So don't pick him up. Don't pick the baby up. The baby just kept on crying. The father went into the next room, still puzzled and bothered by the crying of his child until finally the father came up with an idea that if I can't pick him up out of the crib, I'll go to the crib and get in the crib with him. The father got in the crib with him and the baby stopped crying because the kid understood that whatever he was crying about, the father was so concerned that he got in this situation with him. And some of us understand that God is just like that. That when the father hears us in trouble, sometimes he doesn't take us out of the trouble. Sometimes the God that we serve can get in the trouble with us. And I would just argue the fact that when God gets in the trouble with you, that somehow we're able to handle our situations a little bit better. That's why we can smile when we should be crying and, and walk when we should be running because God will get in our situation with us. He's in the situation with him. Paul, Paul does not rationalize. He realizes that even in imprisonment, God is still good. Paul comes to terms that if God be for you, who can be against you? Here's the important part. Watch this. Paul understands that he doesn't have to resolve this issue in and of himself. <laughs> that he has a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that he asks or thinks. Paul has determined in his heart that while he is waiting for God's deliverance, that, that, that this is a good time. In, in his troubles, in his trials, in his dungeon, that this is a good time to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It, it is obvious that Paul has learned the teachings of the prophetic voice of Isaiah that says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Am I in here by myself? As a matter of fact, he's just plain old locked up and in jail without the bell. Paul writes about rejoicing in the Lord. He writes this letter in a dungeon physically, but he writes this letter in freedom spiritually. 
Paul writes this letter locked up physically, but he writes this letter liberated spiritually. Paul writes this letter bound physically, but he writes this letter unbound spiritually. But Paul writes this letter incarcerated physically, but he writes this letter emancipated spiritually. And the question is, how does Paul get to the point where his inner man has the freedom to rejoice when his outer man is in bondages? Okay, okay, I see you're not feeling me this morning. I, I can sense it already. In other words, I'm saying, how can someone speak about rejoicing when they're imprisoned by their circumstances? You've lost your job. You've lost your children because they're acting like fools. You had to watch your mother suffer. Then you had to funeralize her, evangelize her, and bury her. You've had problems in your home. You suffer by being imprisoned by, by the fear of being carjacked, being imprisoned and incarcerated by hate. You've been imprisoned in an and unsuspecting event. You, your home burned down. Come on, y'all, help me this morning. Your home may have burned down, but your feeling and desire for the Lord has never been burned down. Tell, help me, Sister Clark. Yes, you are still rejoicing in the Lord always. Whatever your situation is, Paul is saying to us by his example, Sister Clark is even saying by her example, that even in the midst of all of our troubles, I will rejoice in the Lord. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Yeah. And I wondered, I wondered how, how has Paul maintained his equanimity in such harsh hardships, in such stressful and unpleasant and grief-stricken situations and conditions? How does Paul keep his cool? Well, well, here it is, here it is. Because Paul looks at life. I think I'm going to help someone right along here. He looks at life because Paul focuses on the things in life that really counts. Yeah, that's, that's the answer right there. Paul, Paul looks at the things in life that really counts. That's, that's the answer. That's the answer right there. It's, it's simple in its essence. It skips past the mystical and it focuses on the practical. Counting dumb means that you have shifted your focus to the things in life that really, totally, and truly matters. Watch, watch, watch the text. Watch the text. Paul, Paul says, I'm almost done. You'll be surprised. Paul, Paul says in verse 7 and 8 in that third chapter of Philippians, he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. All right. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness of God, which is which is by of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable of unto His death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, Paul says, I count all things but dumb, 
that really count, that really counts. Paul, Paul goes to his ledger and he starts thinking about what counts. And I've got a question for you this morning. What, what counts? Does, does your beauty count? Does your home count? Does your title count? Does, does your friend circle, your circle of friends, does that count? Does your bank account count? Does your home count? What, what really counts? Does, does your family lineage count? Does it count that you may have blue blood? What, what really counts? Paul says, I, I've discovered that all of it doesn't count. And I've got just a couple of points that I want to pull out and I've I, I got to count and pull them out. Paul says, Paul says, Guess what? Religion don't count. Paul says, as touching the law of Pharisee, and if you know anything about a Pharisee, a Pharisee was following the law to the letter of it. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees was imposing more things on the law than that was, that was really there. Paul says, my religion didn't even matter. Paul says, doesn't matter about the fact that I was blameless to man because I was still sinful in the eyes of God. It didn't matter that nobody could talk about me. It didn't matter that nobody unearthed my secret sins. Paul says to everybody, I was blameless because I was a Pharisee. But Paul says, I count even my blamelessness. I, you, you know, Paul was saying, even though I'm some uppity Christian that, that, that always had my nose up in the air because I do everything right. I pray when I should pray. I read scripture when I should read scripture. When you see me, I'm dressed up. I'm, but, but the reality is, Paul says that all amounts to nothing because if you don't have God on the inside of you, then you got nothing. is dumb. Paul, Paul says, Paul says, but not only is my religion dumb, Paul says, my race is dumb. Paul, Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. My, my race means so much. I'm a proud Israelite. I'm a proud Hebrew. But Paul soon discovered that his race is dumb because Jesus died for the whole world. I, I remember Jesus saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't matter if you're a Hebrew or a Jew or a Ukrainian or a Russian or an American or an African American. Jesus has said that no race matters and all race matters. All you got to do is believe in me. Paul says, I counted my race as dumb. But Paul is so so generous with his counting and with his ledger. He said, Paul says, not only that, but I counted my respectability as dumb. I, I, I'm not even worried about getting respect. Paul says, Paul says, of the tribe of Israelites, I'm a Benjamin, a Benjamite. Does anybody know what a Benjamite is? A Benjamite is one of the 12 sons of Jacob, who has name was transferred to change to Israel. But, but Benjamin is the only son that was born in the promised land. Benjamin is also the only tribe, the first tribe where a king came out of it. Paul says, I, I am an uppity Israelite. I, 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 I have pride and respectability because people respect me because the first king was Saul. And African Americans, be careful because we've got 
we want and garner so much respectability because we believe that the first people created was African American. We get so high up on all of our heritage and everything, but really race doesn't matter. But the lesson really isn't for us because we can't spread racism. The reality is the white man ought to know that they should not be uppity because of their race. Because just as much as God has created you in his image, God has created the whole world in his image. Paul says, my race, my, my, my race, my race, and the respectability of my race doesn't even matter. But, but not only that, Paul, Paul is shocking because Paul says, my relationships doesn't even matter. It, it, it doesn't even matter. He, he says, my relationship. Paul says, I've got a relationship with people that watch God, that literally watch God separate the Red Sea. Paul says, I've got relationships with people that watch God turn on an air condition in a, in a fiery furnace so that the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro could roll around in fire and not be burned. Paul, Paul says, I, I've got relationships with folks who stood on, at, a, at the burning bush and watched as their spirit burned and the bush burned not, and then heard God speak out of the bush that Moses, Moses, just the ground you're standing on is holy ground, take off your shoes. Paul says, I've got relationships with people like that, but I count that go. But, but not only do I count that go, Paul, Paul says, finally, I count ritualistic stuff done. <laughs> he said, I count that done. Paul, Paul, Paul says, Paul says, circumcised on the eighth day. Paul says, I found ritualism to the T. On, on the eighth day, I was, I was circumcised. And if he was circumcised on the eighth day, he did everything else religiously on, on the eighth day or on the day of its appointed time. And that's just like us. I, I'm so ritualistic. I wear white on communion. I wear black on communion in the wintertime. I'm so ritualistic. I come to church on Sunday, go to Bible study on Wednesday, Tuesday. I, I read the Bible daily. I'm so ritualistically. But Paul says, I count that dumb because if you got God on the outside but ain't got God on the inside, your ritualistic stuff ain't going to save you. God religion, it's not your ritualistic stuff, it's not your relationship. Paul says the only thing that's going to save you is Jesus Christ and you can't even be saved by him until you're born again. Paul is saying in essence that the importance of everything in life is the important, the important thing about being born again. Born again, being washed by the blood, being, being buried and then raised up out of the water into the newness of life. Having a new thought and a new mindset and a new nature. Paul says the only thing that counts is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And Paul says I'm not thinking about any born again Christians because that's redundant. Because every Christian should be born again. Paul says what I count as mattering is what's in the heart. And I wish I had a couple of people that, that had the kind of heart that allowed God to burn in them so that even when they're incarcerated, they think about the things that really count. My soul to Christ counts. The burning in my heart counts. The, the scriptures that I live by counts. My actions and not my words count. My living for Christ counts. And I wish I had a couple of people that had it in their spirit to say, this joy I have. The world didn't give it to me, and since the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away. Because what the world can take away 
your race, they can take away your rights, but whatever they take away, they can't take away the joy. As a matter of fact, Grandmama said, not only do I got joy, but I got love, and this love I have, the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away. Paul says, my love shifted from the attachments of this world. My love shifted from all that I have built up. My love shifted from all of my possessions, all of my titles, and it shifted to Jesus Christ, and it showed itself in how I live. All I wish is that I could have just a couple of people that said, you know what? Everything I've got ain't worth it. You know what? Everything I've done ain't worth done because if it ain't done in Christ's name, it ain't worth it. Because only, I'm done right now, only what you do for Christ will last. And, and I'll tell you that worshiping Christ will last. And so I wish I had a couple of people that would stand up and just praise God for waking them up this morning. Praise Him.